Raina. And I'm Megan. Welcome to the Shh Don't Talk About It podcast, where we talk about all the things we need to say out loud, but think that we can't. We're going to talk about all the things. We're going to shed light on them. We're going to embrace them. And we're going to fucking love them. So join us on this journey as we get rid of shame and start talking about it. Claw was cracked. I already cracked it. I've been breaking. So we have a content warning for listeners today. Um, Today's episode discusses childhood sex abuse. And if this is a topic that is triggering for you, we invite you to do whatever you need to do to take care of yourself. If that means listening to a bit and taking a break, that's totally fine. We think these issues are important to talk about. And so, you know, we will talk about difficult things on this Mm -hmm. podcast from time to time. We invite you to just listen as you can, take breaks, and take care of you. Also, if this is an issue that has impacted your life and you need some extra support around it, we want to make sure you know the phone number for the National Sexual Assault Hotline, which is 1-800-656-4673. You can also find wonderful and very supportive resources at rain.org. That's R-A-I-N-N dot org. So having said all of that, mm-hmm. um, our guest this week is an incredibly courageous woman. Her name's Courtney, and she came on to share her story of surviving childhood sex abuse, and it was incredibly powerful for us to get to listen to and talk with her about, I think. Yes. Uh, what, what do you think? No, absolutely. I, I feel she was very brave to come on and share her experiences as well as her journey to um, healing. And um, definitely a topic that is uncomfortable to talk about on, on many levels, but is very common. And we need to talk about this shit. We need to release the stigma attached to those who have been abused and um, allow the space for them to talk. I agree because the only people that we protect by not talking about it are the people who are perpetrators, the people who are causing harm Mm -hmm. and making this a taboo topic hurts the survivors and it just increases and enhances shame that's already there. So Mm -hmm. personally, I'm really proud of this episode. I'm really proud of the conversation. I'm really proud of Courtney. Yeah. Um, And uh, we hope you all enjoy it and get something out of it. So Mm -hmm. let us know. All right. Here you go. Here's Courtney. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to the Don't Talk About It podcast. Um, Raina and I are really um, honored today to welcome our guest, Courtney. Um, Courtney and I are from the same hometown Our siblings were actually like best friends growing up. Um, So we've known each other for a long time. And Courtney's joining us today to talk about a really vulnerable topic, to talk about her experience with childhood um, sex abuse. And so I want to start by just saying thank you. Um, We can't thank you enough for being willing to step into 
this space with us and and talk about something that is really vulnerable and also really does need to be acknowledged and talked about so much more than it is. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on, Courtney. Well, thank you so much for having me. I I really appreciate what you two are doing with your podcast. Um, I think it's really important to give people the space to talk about the things that we're not supposed to. So exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is definitely one of those topics that um, I think a lot of people may, may experience, um, but don't usually talk about, you know, yeah. or have the space to talk about or feel ashamed about talking about these things. So um, what you're doing today is very brave of you. And um, just from the very get-go, just thank you so much. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate yes. it. So I guess we actually wanted to start by asking what made you want to come on and share your story? Because you act like, right, I think it was like the first week we launched the <laughs> podcast, you messaged me and you were like, hey, if you ever want a guest, I would love to come tell my story. Um, and I think that's beautiful because so often survivors um, have so much shame put on them that they don't want to talk about it. And I was like, whoa, okay, yes, I would love to have you on. Um, and it surprised me because of, I guess, just my misperception about what survivors want to do. So why is it important to you um, to share your story? I just think that with my experience and through healing and everything, it's really important to let survivors know that they are, you know, they're valid, they're, they're, they deserve to be heard, their story, you know, they deserve to have um, the help that they might need in healing. Um, And, you know, I just, I didn't really have a voice growing up. It was taken from me. And Mm -hmm. um, I think getting it out there and, and telling my story will help survivors, um, you know, and, and do whatever they need to do to heal. Um, and also let them know that, you know, you can become something, you can do whatever you want to do in spite of what may have happened to you in the past that you can. Absolutely. So, yeah, Yeah, Yeah. you're, you're not the sum total, the, the whole of you as a person is not the trauma. Exactly. And I think it's hard. It's hard for, you know, victims of abuse to overcome that and to really um, step into acknowledging that they didn't deserve it and that they um, can move on and they can heal and not not move on. But I mean, you you can overcome it and you can, you know, um, have the tools and resources that you need to um, prevail every day, for lack of a better term. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, um, just to speak on what Megan and you both were saying, you know, we are not what happens to us, you know, right. um, we are who we choose to be um, every day. So, um, so you do have a choice in how you want to, you know, whatever did happen, you have a choice to how am I going? What am I going to do with this? You know, right? Am I going to, of course, be sad, and it's so fucked up. And you know, um, but then also, how long am I going to choose to suffer for this? You know, um, exactly, and then go into the healing. And of course, it's it comes in waves, as all things do. 
um, but like working through it rather than like, you know, like you said, like you corrected yourself about not moving on from it, but just learning to like live through it. And it's just um, something that'll probably most definitely be a part of you for the rest of your life, you know? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. It is to not let it define who you are, you know? So I think that's great. Exactly. And of course the old, you know, whatever it is, uh, you're only as sick as your secrets. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think there's something freeing about being able to, um, you know, say there was an episode when Megan was talking about, you know, standing up to her, um, abuser and, and saying, no, you raped me. And there's, there's power behind that. Absolutely. So, sorry. I, I hope that's okay that I brought that up. Yeah, of, <laughs> course. of course. Yes. <laughs> yes. No. I mean, I think that's so important that we do hold the power. Yeah. We always have the power. Like it's always within us somewhere, you know? Um, so just finding that again is everything. Right. Yeah. And there's that thing too of like, we're not the ones that did something wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, like the person who yeah. harmed you is the one that did some something wrong. And yet we carry the burden of their shame as survivors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I just, it's beautiful to, to see you so free uh, <laughs> now. Yeah. So can you tell our listeners what happened? Sure. I mean, I think the best way without really going into detail and everything is just, you know, I was, I was sexually abused from the time that I was nine years old until about 17, really, when I left for college um, by my biological father. And so um, my parents were divorced. My mom, you know, had no clue, obviously, what was going on. I was really the only one that was still close with my biological father that really went over there and spent the shared custody time with him. And, you know, it basically happened every single time I was there and every night that I was there in some different capacity. So he stripped, you know, my childhood away from me. I didn't. I mean, nine years old to 16, they're very formative years. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, you're, it's, you're developing and maturing and finding life. And, and so, yeah, it was a very, very rough time. Very rough time. I'm fortunate to have overcome and, and end up where I am. Mm-hmm. What a heavy burden to have to figure out how to carry as a child. Yeah. It makes me sad for that little girl. And um, I know we're going to get to it a little bit later, but that's one of the reasons why I ended up, you know, reporting my um, abuser and and he ended up in prison. So, (laughs) but, you know, I think um, another to touch on one of the first questions you asked is um, it's important for survivors to know that it's okay to fight for that little person that, you know, that they once were so, (laughs) and to, you know, stand up for them. Mm -hmm. And I said that in, you know, in feeling deserving of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was actually something that we did want to ask you about because your story is unique and that you disclosed what you told, um, and pressed charges. And a lot of people don't do either or do one, but not the other, um, the justice system is so fucked up in the way that it treats um, <laughs> yes. 
people who are experiencing abuse um, and, se- and sexual abuse, physical abuse, like it's awful. And so it takes quite a lot to, mm-hmm. to go through that. And I was wondering if you could talk to us about how you disclosed and then just sort of the story of what happened, how you got to the point of the, of actual like prosecution. Right. So it, it started in college. <laughs> I, uh, when I started to kind of come to terms with what had happened to me and start to really face it, I was very, you know, I would disassociate. Um, it was buried really deep. I always thought, oh, when he dies and everybody knows, like, you know, it's just when he dies and everybody knows everything will make sense, you know, everything, um, the, some of the relationship issues that my mother and I had, you know, between each other because of it. Um, but basically coming back to it, um, when I was in college, I was going to be a teacher. That's what I wanted to do. (laughs) And I ended up taking a social work course and I was like, oh, this is, this is it. (laughs) Like I want to do social work instead. So I switched my junior year in the middle of my junior year. That's (laughs) a big change. Yeah. Um, But in one of the courses that we took, it was, you know, a topic and um, I ended up writing a paper and I lied in the paper. I said that it was a different family member, like a grandfather or something and didn't identify who it was, but getting closer mm-hmm. <laughs> to, you know, disclosing and, and coming to terms with it. And I um, got a counselor and or a therapist and started going to therapy. And I ended up disclosing to her who it actually was. Um, and then I lost my job. Her grant program was taken. Um, and I ended up moving back to two. So I lost my therapist, essentially moved back to my hometown um, and took care of my grandma. Um, and about a year later, I met my ex-husband. Um, and um, whole story for another time, but we <laughs> we got into a fight one night and he um, basically was like um, asking me what, what was wrong with me, not to say that this was <laughs> in any way right of him or a, a healthy relationship, but um, he basically was like, why can't you trust me? Like, why can't you? trust anyone. And, um, I just, I, I said it, <laughs> I said it out loud for the first time ever. I was like, I was sexually abused. Mm-hmm. It was a really long time all through childhood. And, um, he pushed to ask me who it was and I just came out with it. And then, um, he must've said something to my mom because she took me to lunch like a few days later and she asked me, um, if my, she straight up asked me if it was him mm-hmm. and, um, I told her, I just, I told her everything at lunch, everything that had ever happened. Oh, yeah. Um, and she did pretty well, I think for someone that, you know, I mean, they don't, you don't know how to take that. I mean, she was probably dealing with a whole, I know she was dealing with a whole bunch of her own emotions surrounding it. Mm-hmm. She, you know, she couldn't believe it, how she didn't see it or know that it was happening. And I think it can be like dominoes. Like I think she hindsight's always 2020, you know, there was a lot of emotion and feeling with it, but she did ask me if I wanted to press charges and I wasn't sure. And she, she gave me my space to make that decision. Mm -hmm. And a couple of days later I decided to, and she, um, 
the process is interesting. I know Meg was saying the justice system is fucked in that it is. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it, you have to make a, a report first with a police officer. So essentially, no matter what, you have to tell your story at least two times mm-hmm. um, and repeat everything and try to um, give as much detail as possible. I mean, it's, I was 16 when it ended and 23. I think when this was all mm-hmm. going down, maybe a little bit older, it, it wasn't that long ago. So yeah. maybe 10 years ago. So 26 <laughs> anyway. Um, I, yeah. So I made the report with the police and they immediately go to interview them, uh, the um, suspect, if you will. Mm-hmm. And he admitted enough of something to be arrested. Oh, wow. So he, he, he said something. <laughs> um, and so he was arrested and then um, they built a case. They, they had me bring all of my, we had these handbook like calendars in high school mm-hmm. and I would write like every time I was at his house. Or I would put like all my social stuff in. They were like memory books for me. Like I would put, spent the night at. So so they knew where I was every time. So from those and my interview and everything, they had enough to charge him with 36 count. He didn't really fight it, which was amazing. Like I, I, I can't imagine what it would be like for me to have had to go to trial. Okay. So you didn't have to go to trial. And I didn't have to actually go to trial. The judge sentenced him as much as she possibly could. And I, wow. I love, I love her. (laughs) I love this judge. Yeah. But gosh, that's incredible. And lucky that you got a good judge. Um, Yes. And And a great prosecutor. He was wonderful. Yeah. I just was kind of finding myself wondering, like, what was the, like, how did you get through that, like, emotionally? Because you're, like, able to, like, tell you tell the facts, right? Like, um, <laughs> yeah. I'm curious, like, you know, maybe for others who are thinking about pressing charges or are in a similar spot, like, what helped you get through that part, like, the legal part of it? Um, right. And emotionally, because that it's such a toll, like you have to, like your point about you have to keep telling the story to strangers a bunch of times, like even that in and of itself is so re-traumatizing. Yeah. And then just also being validated or just discovering the magnitude of what had happened to you, you know? Um, Sure. Yeah. And like saying it out loud and seeing people's reactions and you know. Right. I mean, saying it out loud makes it real, right? I mean, it's, yeah, it's a hard thing to do. Um, Therapy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know everyone here, big, big proponents of therapy. Um, I, you know, I can say that that was a time when my ex was there for me, um, that I had my, my family, I had a wonderful support system. Um, there was a little bit, um, it was hard. It was a tough time. I was very lucky that I was for work. I was taking care of my grandma and I was running like an after school program. So it was like really fun. 
things that to me didn't take too much emotional labor. Mm -hmm. So I could direct all of my attention um, to that and my therapy. And um, I read books during the time. I think books and podcasts <laughs> have helped me. I've, I've been through a traumatic time recently getting divorced. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I just, I, I, I think therapy is always <laughs> my number one, but, um, and then your personal self-care, like what, what is important to you? I think it's really hard when, when your childhood was stripped away from you like that, um, to be okay with finding yourself and what makes you happy and what puts you at ease and what your coping your healthy coping mechanisms are going to be. Mm -hmm. um, and it's always work, like it will never end. So I did get through that rough time and it's like a roller coaster, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, and it is, it's a process and it always will be. Yeah. So I hope that answered it a little bit. I think, you know, self-care, music, yoga, exercise. Sometimes in my practice, um, I work. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. With very traumatized people, and we talk about coping skills, and I like the frame of like, Coping skills that have a high cost, drugs, alcohol, self-harm, those have those are high cost coping skills. Um, right. and then low cost coping skills like baking, reading, writing. So I try to I've like moved away from the frame of like healthy and unhealthy because it's all just survival. Right. Um, I like that. You know, but yeah. I'm curious, like, what Thank are you. the ways that you learned to like the lower cost ways that you learned to care for yourself or cope? So, um, so, well, they're based on the high cost ones, mm -hmm. right? So, 
Um, in college, I drank. I drank a lot. I had a buddy that we would go out four nights a week and drink. Um, and when I was 22, I got a DUI. And that was right when I was starting to kind of, you know, um, he- start to begin to heal and tell my story. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was not me. I mean, I had never been in trouble before. And I was lucky enough that it didn't actually end up, I wasn't charged with DUI or anything, but um, it was a traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, from that moment I had quit drinking um, and I, you know, I stayed completely sober for a year or two. um, And now that I'm, you know, able to cope with it and stuff, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to, to be able to, um, you know, have healthy drinks and stuff like that. That's not one of the low cost ones I was saying, (laughs) but um, what goes hand in hand with it is that I was uh, addicted to food and I was um, protecting myself from being attractive to anyone by, you know, having weight on and, um, you know, I was, I was heavy and big and I just always protected myself with that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, cloak of armor with, with actual weight um, and food and, and filling the emptiness with food and, you know, um, and so I actually, um, lost 115 pounds Mm -hmm. and one of my low cost is working out. Like Mm -hmm. now I have to run, like Mm -hmm. I, I, I can feel it when I don't work out, you know, I get more anxious. Um, that's one of my fun diagnoses from Mm -hmm. (laughs) my past trauma. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I have anxiety and, and running is what really helps me cope with that, which is, um, awesome. Um, I was a swimmer in high school. And so, you know, I, I, when I can do that and hiking and just being outdoors, um, but music, I mean, music is therapy to me too. Listening. I wish I could play something, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So, um, some of those, I, I think, like you have mentioned and we've said it's it's a it's always going to be there it's always going to be something that i have to manage and and cope with and so finding those low cost skills are important so i have several i mean i read um sometimes it's just taking my um son and dogs for a walk mm-hmm. if i'm feeling you know like i'm crawling out of my skin or something so yeah Um, just the theme of anxiety comes up a lot in this podcast, um, both like when we're just talking to each other and then with our guests as well. So you're not alone in that at all. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, do you recall, um, I'm sorry to like bring it back, but, um, during those years, do you remember how you coped then? During the years so, things were going on? Yes. So I was the queen of like disassociating mm-hmm. <laughs> and not, um, I'm definitely an empath. Um, and so I always, you know, took on a lot of my surroundings and stuff. But um, no, I didn't cope at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just didn't face it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, some of the behaviors that would come out because of it are... Um, 
like for some reason the next day in school I would exhibit as like just being really hyper and like over the top like overcompensating being like happy and (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. and like I just I, I would I was racing like I would people would be like oh she's so bubbly but it's you know it's it's a trauma response. Like I was, you know, trying to cope with what was happening and, and ignore it. And, and yeah, so I was very racy. Um, My thoughts were very racing, I should say. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, yeah, I think I just always overcompensated um, by not necessarily projecting onto others, but letting everybody else show me who they were, share their feelings, fixing everybody else, you know, so that I didn't have to deal with it or yeah. fix it myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've always been a very compliant kid. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I never, you know, stirred up stuff in middle school. When it first started happening, I was mean. I was a bully and a jerk. And I, I, I I've apologized. There's, there's three particular uh, women who I was not nice to. And I've apologized in my later years. Um, Not that it's an excuse or anything, but, um, you know, I was going through a lot. Middle school sucks. And I was, you know, I, I was getting in with the group that, you know, accepted me and, Mm -hmm. and I wasn't nice. So there, yeah, yeah, there were ways I coped that weren't great. But, you know, I think as a child, like you shouldn't have to, you shouldn't be expected to have to do that. Totally. Yeah. I was just, um, just more interested only because if other people see this amongst children or change in behavior in any sort of way, you know, like ask like, what the fuck is going on? You know what I mean? Like usually there is a reason why kids will be mean, you know, or um, be promiscuous or just like sudden changes in behaviors, you know, like you used to be a really sweet girl, you know, like now you're just, you're so mean to everybody, like ask, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and it's so, I think it's really hard and I think it's, it's tough as a parent to discern what is, um, you know, your maturing your um, going through puberty. So you have your hormones and and all of that stuff. But um, I, and I think that's been something that's really hard for my mom to Mm -hmm. accept and, and come to terms with and deal with is the hindsight. I mean, she, now it's like, Oh, Oh, that's why, you know? And Oh, Oh my God. Like everything makes so much sense now. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I mean, it's very, very hard because as a victim or, you know, as a survivor, I was really trying to protect my family. I mean, my my brother and sister had this person as their dad. I knew that my mom would be crushed mm-hmm. um, if she ever found out. And there were some other, other things that, you know, they do in the grooming process and that you as a survivor kind of blame yourself and, and think that you're complicit in this and, and you're not, you're a child. You can't make those decisions. You're, <laughs> you're not developed <laughs> to make yeah. those decisions. But um, yeah, I think there, there was a point to what we were saying, but <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, I'm it's, sure it's tough for the parents and everything, but I, yeah, I think uh, the more we talk about these things, the more open people may be to like, Oh, this could yeah. be any, like, it could, it could be my husband. You know what I mean? Like it could fucking yeah. happen, you know? Um, 
and not saying that your mom did anything wrong, but just, um, just being more aware that this, that this does happen. And it could be like the guy or the perpetrator could be totally like, I would never even guess, you know what I mean? Cause they're, yeah whatever. He's such a great guy, you know? Right. Oh, absolutely. And (laughs) I think that there are a number of personality disorders that go hand in hand with pedophilia, but uh, not to say that everyone that has a personality disorder is a pedophile, but, but I mean, and this particular one is absolutely narcissists. I mean, you know, he had a narcissistic personality disorder, you know, couldn't take accountability for anything. And there's a lot of trauma and stuff that goes into that with my mom being his partner. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, they had split up when it started happening. And I know Megan, as (laughs) a therapist, you, you know, the, you know, psychology behind a number of things, but um, that sometimes tends to be when it starts happenings um and then they you know start abusing the child um in a fucked up way of either getting back at that person or um whatever it may be uh, like to validate themselves or to whatever but (laughs) it's fucked up but yeah I mean there's just there it's it's so it's layered Mm -hmm. and there's so much to it there's so much especially when it goes on through like your uh, developmental years because yeah. everybody fucking always reverts back to their high school days, you know, like there's some yeah. something around that time of like our lives that everybody always, you know, like where's their fucking um, letterman's jacket yeah, or that right. time I touched <laughs> yeah. down in high school, you know, like that type yeah. of shit. And it's like, oh, I need to have that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Prom king, prom queen. Everybody like talks about this stuff that um, how they were in high school. So it's just right. um, for some reason that energy and those memories like carry on with us throughout life. And um, I mean, kudos to you for like, one, you know, pressing charges, you know, and calling that shit out and, you know, going through with it. And you had the support from your mom and from your family and everybody, you know, to help you and guide you through that. So, um, yeah, and I, I did, I forgot to mention this, but, um, there, (laughs) there was a little girl, um, who went missing in our town around the time that I had reported and her picture, one of her pictures came up and I was like, oh my gosh, like I had that hair style when I was a little kid. And she just, she kind of looked like me. And I think that was really a triggering point for me was like, what if he's the one that took her or, you know, or like, what if he does this to somebody else? Um, He was remarried at the time. And I know that they're um, like stepson or somebody was having a baby and it was just, I just didn't want it to happen to anybody else. And I wanted to stand up for that child who didn't get to have that experience and who, you know, when I look back, I remember high school in a totally different, like you were saying, a different way than other people. Yeah. Well, can we shift to talking a little bit about a little bit more as we've been talking about kind of all along about the healing process? Yeah, Um, definitely. We're real big on that on this podcast, (laughs) um, healing and growth. Mm -hmm. So um, you've mentioned therapy. What what kind of therapy have you found helpful and just what has been like the most helpful in your process to um, heal? 
So EMDR, mm-hmm. <laughs> big fan. Um, I used EMDR for um, therapy regarding my childhood sexual abuse, as well as my divorce. And I, yeah, I, I love EMDR. Um, and then MDR, sorry, EMDR <laughs> is. <laughs> yeah. So the way that trauma memories are stored is in the part of our brain that understands emotion. Mm-hmm. And with trauma, it doesn't, with trauma that persistently bothers you and gives you PTSD, it doesn't get moved into your working memory. Um, and that's why when you're triggered, it feels like it's still happening mm-hmm. because it's stored in a part of your brain that understands emotions and pictures, but not in the prefrontal cortex where we have like the ability to think logically about things. Mm -hmm. So EMDR basically helps create like new neural pathways for the trauma and kind of takes it out of the emotional, like limbic system part of the brain and moves it into working memory. Mm -hmm. So the memories are less distressing. Like you still have them. Mm -hmm. It's some people think like, Oh, this will make me forget the bad thing that happened. It doesn't. Um, But it makes it less distressing. And especially for like childhood trauma, it allows you to have like, a more adaptive, more adult perspective on it Mm -hmm. so that the thought is no longer like, I'm a bad person. I'm shameful. I'm unlovable. Like it, it helps kind of undo the negative thoughts that we have about ourselves that trauma brings us. Mm -hmm. Attached to that. Yeah. Some like, sometimes I'll describe it or I've had it done on myself and it feels for me like the memories that I worked on with it, instead of being like in technicolor, it's like a faded black and white photograph mm-hmm. and the emotion, yeah. it lacks the emotional charge that it used to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That sounds great. I agree. I mean, it makes perfect sense because like usually when we do get triggered, uh, we elicit an emotional response of feeling um, like actual physiological responses, you know, yeah. heart racing, sweating, like claw, oh, hands. claw yeah. hands, like I do this. Like, <laughs> sweaty all the things and so if you could um then like become aware of those that trigger and you're like oh this is what's going on right now and then talk yourself through this like no but I'm here I'm 40 years old right now you know and you're not this little girl anymore you know what I mean you're fine that little girl's okay and she's safe and things like that I mean that's just I mean I've never done EMDR but (laughs) yeah this is what I'm getting from it because I've definitely been triggered and I know what that feels like (laughs) so I can only imagine like taking away that emotional charge with it along with it you know yeah and you I mean you spoke to feeling safe and um one of mine you know feelings because you pick kind of a feeling um to work through during your sessions and you know, not deserving that or, or being deserving of having a normal or, you know, a childhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah. therapy helped EMDR was the kind yeah. of therapy that did it for you. What else? Um, what else was helpful in your like path home to yourself? So um, I did, I, um, depression medication (laughs) Mm -hmm. definitely helped me through that. Um, I'm fortunate enough to, um, I'm, I'm not using medication now I'm working out, um, and stuff, but I'm not never opposed to ever going back if that's, you know, something that I need in the future. Um, so yeah, I mean, medication, talk therapy, always, (laughs) I just, it's regular self-care for me. Mm -hmm. Um, being open, sharing my story, talking about it, you know, fighting for 
the little girl I was and all the other children or people out there who are in, you know, situations like this and who, who deserve to have their story told and, and shine despite what happened, you know? Mm, Definitely. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, your story definitely, you know, when Megan told me that you wanted to come on the show, um, and share your story, I thought it was a beautiful and brave thing for you to do. And also so just important, um, and the intention behind sharing your story, you know, what you wanted to gain from it, um, overall is to help others, you know, which is... Yeah, which is what ex- exactly what we're trying to do here. You know, with anything that we talk about is hoping to like create awareness and take the shame away from all of this shit that, you know, you don't have to carry this. It's not shameful, you know, yeah. what has happened to, to you or to anyone, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, awareness. Awareness is I mean, so it doesn't take survivors 10 years or, you know, to endure you know, seven years and then wait another 10 years or mm-hmm. I, I just think, yeah, making it less um, hush hush about things and minimizing it and just really blowing it up and, and making people aware that yeah. it does happen and it can happen to anyone. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And um, I was debating whether or not, you know, I've touched on it um, through other episodes and things like that. And I was debating whether or not I was going to share anything here on this episode with you, but you know, through listening to you, I can only just like relate so much with so much that you're saying that it, I, I'd be like, it wouldn't be right for me not to like share (laughs) that. I, you know, (laughs) similar experiences, you know? I'm So, so sorry. Yeah. I mean, it took a long time for me to start the healing process, you know, like just a few years ago. So I'm still just like really in it. But yeah, there is a lot and um, we should talk about it more often, you know, and. You know, and people will listen, you know, the, the right ones will. So. Thank you so much for coming on today. <laughs> You're so welcome. And I'm very proud of you. It's you. so hard to take that first step. Yeah. I mean, it really, it, it, it's hard. I mean, because, and we've, you've talked about this on the podcast before, but other people have emotions surrounding it too. Yeah. Um, and, and when, you know, and you deserve to have your emotions and everything addressed and to work through it yourself without having to manage other people's emotions. But that is one of the fears I think with coming forward is what is everyone going to think and the shame and everything. So kudos. I mean, you're amazing for what you're doing. Healing. Thank you. and- you're amazing for what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I'm going to move to Oregon and hang out with you guys. <laughs> you girls. <laughs> I just think, um, you know, or is that, I, I don't even know where you are, but yeah. Well, yeah, we're in Portland. We're in Portland. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just think the biggest things that I've been learning throughout my, uh, recovery or not even recovery healing process is, um, 
that it's okay because I'm definitely an empath as well and always has have been you know I'm a nurse and um, it's uh-huh. like it's okay to put myself first you know it's okay to put boundaries up and like do what I need to do to take care of myself and like at the end of the day like I have to live inside my brain you know <laughs> I have to live inside yeah. those those thoughts and things and try to get through those on my own sometimes and um, so it's okay to say no, it's okay to, to take care of yourself and, you know, whatever you need to do has been, and like, even like not even talk to certain individuals because you just can't, you know what I mean? Just whatever you yep. need to do to take care of yourself and through your whole process. Cause it's been, it's fucking hard. It's so hard to, to face shit that you stuffed down for so long and when things start coming up and coming out, you know, that's why I, I like that my tattoo is like, she's not breaking, she's opening because I feel like yeah. it's, I'm not breaking down. You know, I'm not like, I'm not broken. <laughs> you no. know what I mean? No, you're not. I'm you're just not. opening up like what that little girl that you, was like hiding in there, you know, for so long, just trying to be safe. Like, I'm like, finally like, yeah. oh, you're safe now. You know, you can come out and play and be fun and like free you know um so so yeah I really appreciate you coming on here and inspiring me to to be a little bit more open about you know my childhood uh sexual abuse you know I'll just fucking name it and um it it was um is different than yours and uh, I mean we all have our own stories you know um so none of them are you know, the same, except for, I, I will say that we all kind of carry that same, I feel like we all carry that same, uh, hurt and shame and yeah. fucking like, uh, unworthiness or feeling like not deserving of, or all of those fucking negative mm-hmm. things. Cause you're a kid growing up and you're being taught these things for the very first time. And like, this is what I'm, this is, so this is it, you know, like first impressions are fucking everything, you know? So it's hard to like change that pathway like you're doing an emdr of like associating this with that you know like Mm -hmm. because they're so like grained in there (laughs) yeah and i will warn people it's not easy emdr you need to be in a space in your life where you can manage and you're you're able to get through these feelings and have a good therapist that does yeah. it with you. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to. No, but and yes, this is easy at all. Yeah. And if I mean, but that's that's what I always say. It's not easy, but it's fucking like what we get out of it by going through it. Um, because for so long, I didn't feel anything. You know, like had no emotion, no feelings, no whatever. You know, I was a fucking mean girl in high school yeah. for sure. <laughs> um, but. But what I'm getting out of healing is like being more loving, you know, like being able to give love and again, be on this fucking podcast or have a podcast, you know, like I wouldn't have done this without like really tapping into like who, who I am, you know, like discovering who I am. Um, Definitely. I, yeah. And thank you for your platform and what you do. I think I said that already, but with the podcast, it's yes. And, and giving people, you know, the space to make others aware of, of all of the fucked up shit in our world. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> how we're all here, you know, we have all of our own shit. Um, and, um, and it's important to like acknowledge that 
you don't know what's going on in somebody's life, you know? Um, so be kind to one another. Um, and don't like, you know what I mean? Like I always say like I can, um, I, there's like this saying, like I can see a lot of, I, or what is this saying? Um, I could see a lot about a person by, or I know a lot about a person by what they choose to see in me, you know, because I feel like a lot of it is projection. You know, when somebody is, mean or angry or lashing out at you or super judgmental like I always take it as like there's must be something going on under there you know what I mean because I know that I used to be like that and there was a lot going on under there (laughs) right you know right Um, I absolutely agree with that it's important to set boundaries and not let people treat you a certain way and and have excuses for them but yes there are plenty of times that we don't know what's going on with people and yeah so always just be kind and talk. Fucking talk. talk yeah. Talk about it. <laughs> well, I just want to say thank you to both of you for your vulnerability on this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's not easy. And I yeah. just, I, I feel so lucky I get to know the two of you. And I feel so... Um, in awe to like be in the presence of like the courage that it takes to name these things, to say them out loud, to talk about it. Because I know that there will be other people listening to this episode who have a similar experience. And by talking about it um, in this way, you are giving a, a gift to others. And it's just incredibly generous of both of you. Well, thank you, Megan. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I'm gonna cry again. Oh, no. Yes, thank you. Oh. <laughs> Is there anything, any other like advice or anything that we didn't get the chance to talk about or didn't ask about that either of you want to put out there around this topic, either for people who are also survivors of childhood sexual abuse, friends and family, or just like anything that's like, oh, that's important and we didn't say it yet. We should make space for that. I think just for any survivor out there, it's it's never too late to stand up for yourself in whatever way you want to do it. Mm-hmm. If you only want to go to a mountaintop by yourself and shout what happened to you, then do that. If you want to put them in prison (laughs) and wage, you know, your war and everything, then do that. But it's never too late. And you deserve to stand up for that child that, or, you know, that person that may have lost in, you know, trauma and that it's okay to heal in whatever way you're going to with the low cost coping mechanisms, you know, and in, in, um, in a way that's going to fulfill your life and help you to progress and, and have a fulfilled life. Yeah. Yes, for sure. And just to add to all of that is, you know, you definitely, um, for any survivors listening to this, and I'm speaking to myself and speaking to you, Courtney, as well. Um, you are so deserving, you know, of all that this life, you know, of all the love, all the joy, um, all the success, all the everything, you know, like th- this should not take anything away from 
what somebody did to you should not take anything away from who you are, you know? So you are so deserving of love and you're worthy. Um, It was not your fault. And um, yeah, again, we are not what happens to us, you know? Exactly. So it was not your fault and we are not what happens to us. Definitely. We are so much more than that. Yeah. So. Definitely. And we do, we need to change our society and our culture surrounding a lot of this <laughs> rape culture and lots of stuff. Yeah. It's so fucking common and, but it's nobody so wants common. to talk about it or nobody wants to fucking believe you uh, because that means they have to invest some energy into that, you know? So it's yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Don't let anyone take that from you though. Yeah. Mm-mm. It's no. your voice and your story. Absolutely. Yes. All right. Well, Courtney, thank you so much. You're so welcome. Yes. Wonderful. Thank you. Job. <laughs> thank you. And, uh, Such a great thing to do. Oh, thank you. I'm excited. Your voice. I love it. <laughs> Thanks again to everybody listening today. Mm-hmm. Once again, if you find yourself feeling activated by the content of this episode um, or if you find yourself in need of support um, the uh, there are national hotlines that you can call we gave the number at the top of the episode Um, don't hesitate to reach out there's people who are here to help you um, and you've got this thanks everybody thank you